Hi guys, thanks for downloading the show. We are doing a double movie review this week, talking about Incredibles 2 and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. It's been a couple weeks, but we're back with those two movies, and hopefully you enjoy what we have to say about them. That said, if you don't, or if you just have questions about anything else that we talk about, hit us up on all the usual places. Sixrowsback at gmail.com, Sixrowsback on Twitter, or Sixrowsback Podcast on SoundCloud. All those places are in the show notes below and at the end of the show. So with that, thanks for listening, and enjoy. Welcome to Six Rows Back, episode number 96. We've had a couple of weeks off, but we are back now. Um, it's going to be a shorter episode this week, but we're going to have two movie reviews for two of the biggest movies of the summer. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Oliver. Joining me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Matt. Hello there. And yeah, you know, it's, we've had a couple of weeks off. Um, this work as well, is going to be an abbreviated show. Um, but we're going to have two cool movies, uh, well, two big movies that we're going to talk about, and so, yeah, but anything to say first, Matt? Uh, well, one's for sure cool, the other one is, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, so which one do you want to get started with? Probably the one that we both saw. Yeah. Um, be, yeah. yeah, so that'd be Incredibles 2, which is one of the biggest movies of the year, one of the ones I think both of us were most looking forward to. Um, yeah. And at least speaking personally, I had a great time with it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, we ended up watching it together because you were in town again mm-hmm. uh, recently. And, you know, it was it was nice to get have that happen. And it was a packed theater. It was. Like it, um, and, you know, I think that people have been waiting 14 years, I think, for the for this movie to come out. Mm-hmm. If I remember mm-hmm. correctly. 14. And... I very much got the feeling that this movie was like, it's a Pixar movie, but it almost felt like it was still targeting the same audience that saw the first one, like adults and like teenagers and stuff. Oh, sure. Like, yeah, it's like it's a kid's movie still, but it definitely felt like it was paying more attention to that audience. Whereas if you look at like Monsters University or like the other Toy Story movies, like they still very much felt like kids movies with some more over themes for the adults as well like you know because pixar does a great job about making kids movies that are still good for adults to watch sure but this movie almost felt like it was almost targeting towards that group like there were several scenes in the movie where people were like drinking alcohol and it was just like fine and they had that like preview at the beginning where they like had the cast come out and say like hey we know it's been 14 years but you know it's been worth the wait and and all that yeah for sure i mean I, i i get that same vibe from toy story 3 Mm-hmm. That that movie was more geared towards adults, or at least older teenagers. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's just me, though. That makes sense. And, like, I don't know, I just felt like this was very smart. Like, it acknowledged the the older version of the Pixar audience as well. And, like, it wasn't just a straight-up kids movie. I mean, no. like, it was, but it also wasn't, if that makes sense. Correct. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was a... It was it was fun. It, like I was listening to an interview with Craig T. Nelson, who voices Mister Incredible. That he was like, uh, like after the success of the first movie, I was I was waiting for a for a phone call of them doing the second one. Mm-hmm. And I kept waiting, I kept waiting, and so I decided to call them, and then they stopped taking my calls. Yeah, it was just a very funny interview that you know, you know, fourteen years later, he's finally getting to reprise this role, which is good because he's getting up there. He's not a young man. Yeah. 
And it's just, I don't know, I think The Incredibles, it's a lot of people's favorite Pixar movie, but I don't think it's generally recognized as their best. Like, I think when people think of, like, Pixar's best work, they think of, like, the Toy Story franchise or, you know, WALL-E or stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, Pixar... No, no, people don't think of that. (laughs) Pixar's marketing team thinks of that. Um, But I think that it's just... It's it's a way for people to just kind of enjoy kids' movies, is, is what Pixar is, and they're generally pretty good. But I think in terms of fan appreciation... I think Incredibles is maybe sometimes overlooked in terms of like overall quality because I think most people like it, but it, it uh, you know people look at Wally's like oh it has so much to say about environmentalism and you know consumerism or Toy Story has so much to say about growing up and and all that and I think Incredibles has so much to say about family and like the superhero genre and you know what it means to be especially the first like what it means to be a man I think is something that gets overlooked as like that theme and like the you know masculinity pressure to provide and you know and all that and i think this movie goes a step further with that and like talking about how you know the role of a father within a family which i think is something that you know mr incredible struggles with and i I like that that arc that he goes through and you know um it was interesting reading comments when people talking about the movie about like oh it's you know it's the same movie but this time you know mr incredible staying home and like a bunch of angry you know you know, dude bros on the internet being like, well, why would he stay home? He's got super strength, and, you know, he's the dad. Why would he have to stay home with the kid? And I'm just like, no, that's not what this is about. Right, yeah. Um, no. And it, it very much is Elastigirl's film this time. And yeah, and, it, and that was nice. And, you know, maybe the third one will focus on the kids more, like, as a, yeah. as a thing. And I think that would be a nice way to tie it up. Yeah, but I also like how, like, this movie, it still felt like a family movie, and it still gave the kids... Like, it gave the kids their own agency. They weren't just side characters. Like, Oh, for sure. Um, there's a moment towards, like, the beginning of the third act where, you know, a bunch of characters are getting attacked, including the kids. And, you know, they very easily could have had, like, an adult superhero, like, like fly in, save the day, and get the kids out of there. But instead, like, the kids had to solve the problems themselves. And I think that that, like, it helps the... It helps give them character and it helps you care about them. And like, just like in the first movie when they're trapped on the island and like they're outrunning the guards and whatnot, like it's the kids actually doing it, mm-hmm. and not like them just being side characters to their parents, which I think is important. And it, it it really makes the entire family feel like they come together and they all have, you know, their own thing to contribute. It's like when they're actually fighting the the big bad at the end of the first one, each of their powers comes into use and they're all like you know complementing each other. And like you get a lot more of that in this one as well, when you know the different heroes are working together to to combat the bad guys. Well, and I, I think part of that also comes from the fact that we've we've had so many um, you know superhero movies at this point. Mm-hmm. We kind of have an idea of how to storyboard a fight scene, right? You know, in, on in you know with superpowers that. I don't. I don't know if we had in in the first Incredibles film. Yeah, and necessarily. Think- like, it, and so like they were able to do a lot more stuff that made it a lot more visually interesting. Mm-hmm. And it was we're able to like use use their super abilities in in special ways that that maybe were overlooked in the first film. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that part of it is just, like, the advancement of the technology. Like, it's been 14 years. It's come a long way in terms of what you're able to show in this medium. And, you know, I think that that Brad Bird clearly cares a lot about this property and the fact that he's able to inject so much into it. And, you know, there's a lot of nice callbacks to the first movie that don't feel like they're being shoehorned in. You know, characters Mm -hmm. that are in there without feeling like they're just in there, you know, for the beat. Like, you know, when Rick Decker was brought in and, you know, it didn't feel like it was like, hey, remember this character? And, you know, I was a little bit worried because, you know, I think everybody loves Edna from the first movie. Yes. And, like, well, they all have superhero costumes now. Why do you need to bring Edna in? And it's like, I was a little bit concerned that they might just try and find a way to shoehorn her character in. And the way they did it felt really pure and felt like it worked with the story and led to some of the best moments of the movie. Um, sure. But, no, I really, really enjoyed this movie. It might be, it's one of my favorites of the year for sure. Um, then again, it's been a, a pretty solid year overall. Um, yeah, for the most part. Like, I, I feel like there are probably three or four movies this year that I've, like, I'm, it's going to be hard-pressed to knock them out of my top five come, come December. But, you know, something's going to have to do it. Probably. You know, but if, you, if you're if looking back, you've got this, Infinity War, you know, um, Quiet Place, Black Panther. Just a lot of good movies. Mm-hmm. Game Night is probably going to be up there for me. That movie was surprisingly good. Yeah, I, and like I always forget about it. But yeah, that movie the movie stuck with me. Like more than I think it did. Yeah, and I just like this is the kind of movie as well. Like Incredibles is my favorite Pixar movie. Anybody who's listened to what we've done so far of Matt's Bracket Challenge knows how much I love that film. <laughs> and this is up there with me. And like I was as I was walking out of the theater, I was I don't want to say disappointed, but I was just kind of like, hmm, yeah, but I had such high expectations going into this movie that I was really, really worried that it was going to let me down. Yeah, I mean, you weren't weren't let down, but you were like, oh, they could have, like, I was expecting more because you just had unattainable hopes. It wasn't even that, like, my expectations were so high, and it met them. But it, it didn't like it didn't beat my expectations. But that's just because my expectations were so incredibly high. Like I was so so excited for this movie. Like I, you know, when Infinity War was another movie that I was super excited about. But I was nervous for it. Like I I knew the pressure that it was on. I knew how tricky it could be. But for me, it was like it's Pixar. It's Brad Bird. It's most of the original cast. It's everything. Is all the pieces are here that this should be great. And so I was expecting it to be great. You know, I loved the trailers, and then I came out of it thinking like, yep, that was exactly what I was hoping it would be. Which didn't feel like a letdown, but I wasn't, you know, like, when I came out of Infinity War, I was like, whoa, that was even better than I was expecting it to be. And so, mm-hmm. like, I've been processing this Incredibles 2 since I've seen them. and you know, I'm debating whether or not it might be my new favorite Pixar movie. Like, it's definitely up there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. really good. Like, there... Um, I, have, I have some issues still, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, I... It was... Like I'm, there needed to be a warning in this movie mm-hmm. of, <laughs> about you know bright flashing lights that just was not there, and I'm I'm shocked that that was not thought of. Yeah, and I, and I get that, and like you know I went back to my local theater since seeing Incredibles, and like now they have warnings posted in the theater for people going to see Incredibles mm-hmm. um, about that, and I get that, you know, speaking I guess self-centeredly like it didn't affect me and so for me i you know i I was aware that the scene was going to be in there going into it um and so like when i was watching it i was like oh this is that scene that people were talking about but i also was like wow this is a cool scene 
as somebody who doesn't suffer from you know any kind of photosensitive epilepsy. Yeah. And so I was still able to enjoy that moment. But I, I get the problematic nature of it. But I guess part of it is like I'm, I'm, I'm and I know it's not the same thing, but it it like for me like a jump scare in a movie or like high anxiety situations in a movie that's triggering for a lot of people with other you know things that they're, they're coping with. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that anxiety um, is the same as epilepsy, but I'm talking about like things in movies that can trigger reactions from an audience member. Um, they're going to be out there, and I I do completely agree that you do need to have warnings. But I think you can enjoy a movie if you're not affected by those things. If that makes sure. sense. Um, sure. Sure. I, I mean, and also part of it was like, in ad- in addition to that, like this this felt a lot more like, you know, in in the first movie, you you sort of you knew who the bad guy was, and, and in this one, you could you pretty much could figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just felt like. It didn't. I, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. It didn't feel like it was unearned by any any stretch of the imagination, like who, like what the the villain ended up being. Mm-hmm. But at the and and Screenslaver is an awesome name for right. sure. But at the same time, like it's just it wasn't like I. Uh, Syndrome felt like a much more almost realistic villain than this did. Oh, I, I, don't to- I totally agree with you that the villain was not as good in this movie. Yeah. But for me, like, there was enough positive things. Like, Syndrome is one of the best, like, Pixar villains, period. Maybe even the best. But this, for me, as a whole, as a movie, it felt like there was just so much more, like... There's a scene in this movie that I th- I'm I think is Pixar's best ever scene. Um, in that when uh, Jack Jack is fighting the raccoon, mm-hmm. there was so much to love in that scene that I just I was losing it. Like I I I can't think of a Pixar scene that had me more enthralled. Like the only one that like the one that's coming to mind is the 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 romance what you know, relationship in Up. In terms mm-hmm. of kind of pulling the heartstrings and dealing in them, like, because like, what makes a good scene? Like, it can be funny, it can be emotional, it can just be you know visually stu- you know stunning. And Pixar's really good at having little moments that are just like take your breath away. You know, like in the first Incredibles, the whole "Where is my super suit?" moment. Like, it's not really a full scene. Or like when Dash is running across the water and he realizes he can run on water, so he just kind of giggles to himself. And he like, keeps doing it. Yeah, like little moments like that in Pixar movies are, for me, what makes Pixar so good. Sure. You know, like in Ratatouille when, you know, um, Remy is first, like, making the soup. And, like, you know, you see how much he's enjoying cooking and having all this these ingredients at his disposal. Or, you know, in uh, Toy Story 2, the, like, the Jesse remembering scene. Um, you know, Pixar does those little moments really, really well. And... Sometimes you also get amazingly longer extended scenes that just fill you with so much different emotion. And that scene with Jack-Jack and the raccoon was incredible. And I loved every second of it. And Yeah, it was just really cute Mm -hmm. um, and, like, lovable. And you're, like, and and you're caring for this baby, obviously, because Jack-Jack's a really fun character. Like, even though they, they don't speak, like, it's just... 
like they, there's so much emotion just put into that character, in, mm-hmm. like in and of itself. Um, yeah. That I think it it worked incredibly well. Yeah, and because the powers are so all over the place, like you get to do so much. Like when, and I love like the, the raccoon head character, and you know the raccoon's not hurting the baby, but mm-hmm. it's like an entertaining fight. And like there's a moment like when he's like on fire and he's crawling through the lawn chairs, and it's like <laughs> something out of if you make it live action and you make it adult, it's a horror movie scene. And he's just like on fire, like throwing them out and the raccoon's trapped and can't get out. I'm just like, this is amazing. It's hilarious. Yeah. And like a lot of the best parts of the movie for me came from Jack-Jack. Like. Which is weird considering he was such a non-character in the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, the, like the scene when, um, Frozone like comes in, you know, realizing that uh, Mr. Incredible might need help. And he's like disappeared to the other dimension. And like mm-hmm. you can hear his giggling in the background is like, oh, is that like it felt like a subtle shout out to like Poltergeist and those kind of movies. Yeah. Um or when, you know, he's teaching the other kids how to like tap the baby on the backside to make him fire his lasers. <laughs> or yeah. when he gets left with Edna and then they come back and like he's just mirroring Edna's movements as they walk down the hallway. <laughs> like with the lollipop. And then uh, when when Jack Jack's like looking at the um like the the security measures and it's like voice activation. Ah, da, da, da. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the realization like Edna programmed that. In a night. It's just fantastic. I loved it so much. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a really cute movie. Like I can't think of anything like super negative about it. Like mm-hmm. it was a really super enjoyable film yeah. that I I de- deserves as much praise as, as somebody can give it. Yeah. And I got to give a couple more shout outs just to other things. Like, obviously, it's a Michael Giancchino score, so he's my favorite composer. His score was amazing. You know, the original Incredible score is my favorite music score of all time. This score was really great, too. As with all Michael, Michael Giancchino scores, many of them are puns. Like, the tracks I, and I names. I feel like that's half the reason you like him so much. It is, but also the scores are amazing. They are really good. Um, but just uh, a couple. Uh, a couple uh, uh, song names for you. Um, we've got Searching for a Screenslaver. Um, we've got Helen of Ploy. A Dash of Reality. Hydrofoiled Again. A Bridge to Par. Uh-huh. Um, and then my person... I forgot their last name was Par before yep. this movie came out, by the way. Mm-hmm. And you, you've seen Airplane, right? Yeah. I assume, but like my favorite one is looks like I picked the wrong week to quit oxygen. <laughs> For when uh, she's into plane, uh huh, oh, I love it. It's so good. Yeah. Um. So obviously we we both loved it. Like yes, it, without a doubt. Yeah. For me, I mean, it, it's it's nine and a half ten category if we're rating it, and I'm gonna buy it when it comes out. Sure. I mean, I'm. I don't own the first one. So I don't know if I will actually buy it, mm-hmm. but you know I really, really did enjoy the film. Yeah, I buy more movies than most people anyway, so that's fair. Um, yeah, but that's me for you. Like I loved it. Oh, I also want to give a quick shout out to um, some of the new characters, especially Void, who I thought was really good. She was great. Um, I also want to. Um, Violet was really a, a standout in this movie as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely felt like. And it's it's weird because like the movie takes place immediately after the first one, mm-hmm. so like there's not actually a ton of you know 
development necessarily between one one movie to the next but yeah definitely felt like she had a lot more i don't know if it was was just screen time or like personality or something Mm -hmm. that that it it she really shone yeah and i felt like she was given a lot more to do um and i just appreciated that and i think that i really liked the montage of like mr incredible becoming like an involved dad like you know staying up to learn the math homework and like trying his best to like make things work with um violet and um and the boy and just kind of like trying and failing where you can you know yeah um i really loved the fight scene between void and violet yes like um that we were we were talking about it and like i think you're right that might just be one of the best fight scenes of ever yeah like the powers are just so reflexive and like you know, there's like a moment where she, um, Void's trying to hit Violet, so she like uses her her like force field powers, and then Violet like uh, Void uses the, like the portals to go inside the force field, like which is what you would do if you were in this fight situation, and like it just works so well. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it it really broadened the entire universe. Mm-hmm. Like I like I loved Brick yes. for. For very dumb reasons, but mm-hmm. Brick was great. And the crushing guy? Mm-hmm. It's like, can you uncrush? Why uncrush? Only crush. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm happy we saw it together. Mm-hmm. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, if they, if they stopped at this one, I'd be a little bit more disappointed than if, than if it was just the first one. I kind of want to see a third one to just sort of round out the entire family and, like, have a, a complete story. Yeah. I don't know. I, f- I feel like you almost need four to do that, though. Like, another film that, like, focuses on Violet, another film that focuses on Dash, and I guess you could do a Jack-Jack one, too. Depends if he you're going, has like... a mini-short. Yeah, but, like, if you're going back-to-back, like, immediately after each one, fine. But, like, you're not going to have a movie about Jack-Jack when he's still an infant. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I love it. So good. Yeah. It was a. It was highly enjoyable. I'm, I'm really happy that it exists. I'm, mm-hmm. I was way more pleased by it than I actually thought I would be. So, yeah. yeah. Looking, a couple of the cast have expressed interests in doing it. So Samuel L. Jackson and Sophia Bush, who who was Void, have said mm-hmm. they've they're interested in it, and the producers not ruled it out. But beyond that, you know, it's fine. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it if they do it. If not, I'll be a little bit sad, but I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so that's our review of Incredibles 2. Um, we're going to sidestep and do a second film review. Matt didn't get a chance to see this one. Good for him. Um, and so we're going to be, <laughs> or I'm going to be talking a little bit about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Um, so, yeah. I have so many questions. All right, well, I'll Wait, give a so- little... Yeah, do your do your spiel, and I will I will ask questions as they come up. Yeah, so uh, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom just came out. It's got the same cast pretty much as the the first one, with a couple of swapping out. So like the two annoying kids from Jurassic World are not in it, and they've replaced them with two other kind of quote unquote side characters. One of whom I really really enjoyed actually. Um, overall, okay. I I don't think because I really loathe Jurassic World. But I think that overall, it's a little bit of a better made film. Um, the okay. plot is a little bit more coherent, even if it's a dumb one. 
and this this movie like it just feels kind of like all over the place and kind of ridiculous. Didn't love it, um, but I I didn't hate this movie. I don't think it's good. Okay. I didn't necessarily enjoy it, but I didn't come out of this movie feeling angry. I just okay. came out of it feeling like okay, yeah, fine. Like I was a little bit bored watching it. I, there was a couple of moments, and I was like, "Oh, actually, actually, really cool." Or characters, I like, kind of embrace a little bit more. Like the the characters actually felt like characters a little bit more. So, um, Bryce mm-hmm. Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt characters, like they both have had time to have a little bit more development. So, you cared about them a little bit more than you did in the first one, where they kind of don't have a lot going on. Sure. Um, and then there's two kind of new main characters. Um, so, um, there is. Uh, who is it? I can't even think of their names. Super memorable characters, apparently. Um, I can't even think of their names. What do they do? What do they do? So one of them is like a a scientist um, who is like uh, she's like a dinosaur veterinarian, and she's really cool. Her character is like really actually interesting. And like there's a montage where one of the dinosaurs gets sick, and they have to take care of it. Um, and so her character is, like, really empowered for that. Like, they want to protect the dinosaurs, which is great. And then there's another character who's, like, an IT technician. Franklin is his name. And his character is just kind of annoying. Very kind of one-note. Very, uh... He's scared of dinosaurs, and he has to go on the dinosaur mission. Isn't that funny kind of thing? Why would Um, you... Why would you work at Jurassic Park if you're afraid of dinosaurs? Yeah... That makes so. zero sense. Yeah. Zia is the other one. She's a, a a veterinarian for dinosaurs who also used to be a marine, and so her character's like really cool. And yeah, I don't know. There's no kid character. There's one kid character in it, um, Maisie. Who I guess I should talk plot, I suppose. So the yeah. fl- like the trailer shows like volcano exploding on island. So the movie opened up with like Senate debates about like should we rescue these dinosaurs or not, um, and Senate says no. And there's a bunch of organizations, like, rallying to be like, hey, you should save these dinosaurs. Like, they are species. They should be protected, yada, yada, yada. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard's character, Claire, um, who you'll remember, maybe was, like, the in-charge-of-Jurassic-World person. Um, yeah, she was the, the, the romantic interest of Chris Pratt. Yeah. Um, she's like, we need to do this. And so a private organization, um, who is which is funded by... Um, the like the brother of um, like the main guy from the, like the Earth movie. So like, well, not brother, like partner or whatever. So like John Hammond, like the main guy from the first movie. Yeah, his partner, like the person who helped like develop like the cloning technology. Okay, like super rich person is funding this organization to help protect the dinosaurs. Um, sure. And then, so they fund this, like, covert operation to get some dinosaurs off the island, and surprise, surprise, somebody behind the scenes is a little bit more corrupt and wants to use them for military and selling and stuff. Okay. So... So, exactly what we saw in the trailers. (laughs) Yeah, but I I feel like the the trailers sold a lot more of this whole, like, you know, being on the island, trying to escape the volcano, and that's, like, the first 25 minutes. Really? Okay. Um, maybe a little bit longer than that. It's like the first act of the movie. And then the second act is, um, you know, they've, cause, uh, the, the bad guys essentially like they leave 
the good guys, you know, so Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard on the island uh-huh. to, like, die in the volcano. Well, that's not good. And then, you know, they escape. Um, they There's, like, there's a really cool shot, actually, of as the volcano's, like, you know, erupting and, like, lava and, like, ashes, like, overcoming the island. Like, they're on the boat, float, like, you know, going away from it. And there's, like, a brontosaurus that, like, walks up to the edge of the island and, like, suddenly gets, like, consumed by the ash. And you just, like, see, like, the silhouette in, like, red. And, like, it's just a really cool shot that's, like, very, like, oh, that's kind of emotional. Um, so there's that. And then, you know, they, they smuggle some of the dinosaurs off, including Blue, which is the velociraptor that you might remember from the first one that, like, Chris Pratt trained. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're like, oh, yeah, we need to get that one off because it's been trained. And so we can, like, learn about how it got trained so that we can use these other dinosaurs for military stuff. Um, so this bad guy, like, auctions, like, teams up with a different bad guy to auction off the dinosaurs to, like, various, like, lowlifes, like, as, like, a, a arms dealer, essentially. Why do people think this is a good idea? I don't know. And then Henry Wu comes back, you know, B.D. Wong's character, and is like, I made an even more terrible dinosaur. Um, and so, like, they, <laughs> they combined, like, a raptor with, like, the... The like the genetic one from the last movie, the Indominus Rex or whatever it was, to like make an even more vicious dinosaur that they want to sell, but they want to, you know, learn how Chris Pratt's character trained um, the Raptors so that they can train this one to like kill things, and mm-hmm. so like they bring it out during the auction in like in a cage to show people like this is a prototype, it's not for sale. And then they show this thing where, like, they have a gun with, like, basically a laser pointer on it. And if they point the laser pointer at somebody and then play a noise, it'll lock on for, like, this new dinosaur to, like, kill that person. Okay. It's very dumb. And so everyone, like, starts freaking out, like, I want to buy this now. And then they sell it and it breaks out. And then dinosaurs start killing people because people haven't learned their lesson. There's literally so many movies about not making dinosaurs, guys. Yeah. It's... It's not good. You know, the dinosaurs look fine, but, like, I don't know. I've seen dinosaurs chasing people around a park. I've seen dinosaurs chasing people around a second park. I've seen dinosaurs chasing people around a place that isn't a park. I've seen Mm -hmm. genetically adjust dinosaurs chasing people around a place. Like, there's only so many ways you can do the same story. Right. Which is, which is what's so disappointing about it. Yeah. Like, and and I, I was reading there's a there's a video I was that uh, somebody posted to me recently that was like, why it's so hard to make a Jurassic Park sequel, and I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet because this was literally like 20 minutes ago, like before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I'm excited to watch that because it it sh- it could be very eye opening. Like, what? Why is it so difficult to make a good one? Because it's such a good premise. Dinosaurs in a theme park. I feel like it's it's tough because we've seen the version of it that is good. Right, but like there has to be another story there. There has to be. Like it's like I, I just I don't think it's entirely tapped out. But, but but I don't know what what would need to happen. I feel like. So much of it now is about spectacle and about making, you know, and I think they almost like talk about it in a meta sense in Jurassic World where it's like people aren't impressed by a T-Rex anymore. Sure. And like, 
you can kind of get it. Like, you see movies like Pacific Rim, and I think with the increase of, like, anime culture in the U.S. as well, like, a lot of, like, and, like kaiju culture and stuff, like, people are, like, they get, like, big monster type stuff all the time now. Not all the time, but, you know, more often. So I think the idea of seeing dinosaurs on screen is not as alluring as it once was, maybe? Sure. Um, and, yeah, I think dinosaurs are really fascinating for a lot of kids. Um, and so... The idea of a dinosaur movie is more of a family movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it, mm-hmm. whereas like it's not a monster movie, and I think that there's like a line you have to draw. And I think that because dinosaur movies are often seen as kids' movies, you have to have a lot of spectacle, a lot of kind of simplicity sometimes in terms of plot and tone, so that like kids can understand what's going on. And I think that's, that sometimes gets taken away from like the general plot, right? Because sure. you know, kids like dinosaurs, which is fair because dinosaurs are cool. But I think that it makes it difficult to have like a fully enriched story. Whereas, like with the original Jurassic Park, like they had they hit that balance so well, where it made sense, but it also like it was still like fun for kids to see potentially, and like but it's also scary, right? Like yeah. these movies aren't scary. Like there's the scene in Jurassic World where like the assistant gets like you know pulled away by the the pterodactyls or what have you, and that's that's a scary moment. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, the movie doesn't feel scary. No, there's there's not really, um, there's not really, uh, what's it called? Stakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so. I and I felt very much like this in that like that in this movie too. Like, there are the four main characters. You know, there's the the IT guy, the paleo veterinarian, and then Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard is like the main four characters, and then. There's the old man who is John Hammond's partner and his like granddaughter, um, mm. and like you know none of them are going to be killed by dinosaurs. No, like the old man's bedridden, so he's not even getting out of bed. Okay. And then like there's one I don't want to say twist or what have you. So I guess spoilers. Um, spoiler alert coming in now is that you know they talk about why, um, why the old man is like stopped being partners with John Hammond and they said it was because of arguments of like the use of this like genetic technology mm-hmm. um, and throughout the movie it's like you know this daughter is her his granddaughter because the daughter died in a car crash and then at the end you know the bad guy is like says like in this really terrible terrifying scene because the bad guy kills the old man like smothers him with a pillow oh cool yeah that's that's not nice. And then, like, the granddaughter, who's, like, the only person she trusts was her grandfather, like, figures it out, and so the bad guy apparently has custody for some reason, because there's no other family, and um, Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt, like, find this little girl, and they're like, hey, you can come with us instead, and then the bad guy's like, oh, you want to be with them instead? Fine, she's your problem now. Um, and then, like, I- just kind of yells out that, like, she wasn't a granddaughter, like, she was, like, a clone of the daughter. Okay. And then, so, like, she's just, he's sitting here trying to yell at this, like, nine-year-old girl, like, you weren't born, you were made. That's why, you know, Hammond and, uh, whatever the guy's name was, like, stop being partners. And I'm just like, oh, there's a whole nother story here that might be interesting that we're not spending any time on. So they did it again. It's yeah. just in a different way. They've they've combined two movies into one. Yep. Yep. And then like at the end of the movie, you know, there's something wrong with the ventilation system and all the dinosaurs that have been smuggled off the island 
are like trapped in this estate where you know where they're in cages, getting ready to be auctioned off or what have you. And so there's this poisonous gas that's going to kill them all. And so Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard are like, okay, if we hit this button, we can release them all and they'll all be safe. But then they're going to be like, in, I don't know, whatever part of the U.S. this takes place, just kind of running around in the wild. That's a big choice that we have to make because once we do it, we've you know that's what we've done, right? Mm-hmm. And so like they turn around, it's like no, we can't do this as much as we'd like to save it. And then the, obviously the gates open up because they're not just going to like end the movie with killing all the dinosaurs. <laughs> and like this little girl would push the button, and she's like, "What? They're like me." And I'm just like, "Ugh, jeez." Sure. And yep. then you know, there's a you know that running away from this new genetically enhanced super dinosaur and then surprise surprise the velociraptor from the last movie comes in and saves the day and it's just like (sighs) it's just kind of predictable very very predictable um and like i said there are good parts of the movie um zia the the paleo veterinarian is a really cool character that i really liked you know we got a little bit more character from bryce dallas howard um character claire but she has a lot more like motivation and character now. Chris Pratt is still just kind of playing a Chris Pratt character. You know, mm-hmm. making wise cracks at times when maybe you wouldn't make wise cracks. You know, generally just having screen presence but not a lot of like actual <laughs> stuff to do. Like I like sure. Chris Pratt a lot, you know. I don't want to say he's phoning it in, but that's kind of what it feels like in this movie. You know, like there's one funny line he has where they're in the island and they he's asked to go out. Like the, the lines in the trailer. Um and he says to Bryce Dallas Howard, like, I'm going to go out. And she's like, be careful. She's like, I will. Just know that if I don't come back, you're the one that made me come here. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a cute line. But, like, that's the funny line of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeff Goldblum is barely in it. I, I like, and he, it, from the advertisement, it definitely felt like he was going to be a big deal. Yeah, no, he's in the movie for maybe a minute. Oh, boy. Yeah, he's in it at the beginning. Like, he's testifying at this Senate hearing about, like, whether or not the dinosaurs should be saved. And does he want them to be saved or not? He's saying... I don't even remember. Um, I forget. Okay. I think he said that... At the beginning of the movie, he says that they should just be allowed to be killed. Because it's, like, correcting the mistakes of the first movie, basically. Mm -hmm. So basically, he's right. Sure. Um, and then, like, so, and then ultimately at the end, like, they agree with him, whatever, like, they decide to let the dinosaurs die. And then at the end of the movie, he's in, like, giving another second hearing, and he's like, well, now the dinosaurs are going to have to interact with people. Um, and, like, they're going to have to, uh, you know, coexist in Earth. We're at a new part in life. And he's like, well, life finds a way. You know? And it's just, yeah, I don't know. And that's fine. Like I didn't need him in the movie. It, again, it felt more like a callback that was for no reason. Like Jurassic yeah. World has had a lot of callbacks in there for no reason at all, just other than for the point of making a callback. And that's what this was too. Like in the sequel, they have Sam Neill in there, and he'll be like, "I don't want to talk about it," and then like that'll be the whole thing. <laughs> I don't like kids. Yeah. Er, I'm grumpy. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. It's fine. There's one really cool moment that I did enjoy. Like they have like a long protracted like one shot, mm-hmm. um, and that felt like oh, this is a moment where I actually feel some tension. Um, so, you know, like in the trailer when like they're running down the hill away from like the the pyroclastic flow and like the stampede of dinosaurs and whatnot, 
and like they're in that glass ball thing from the first movie. And, like it goes yeah. off a cliff and like lands in the water. And, like that, like the following like minute is like a one shot of like the two people trapped inside and like Chris Pratt's character like swimming around trying to get him out. And like, oh, that felt like tension. Cool. But yeah, sure. there's not a lot of good stuff in this movie, but it's also like I didn't come out of it hating it like I did last time. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. I just, you know, it's already made nearly a billion. Like, they'll make another one. It probably won't be great. Fine. Sure. Sure. So I'll give this a five. Like, it's not good. It's not bad. Well, it is bad, but it's not... I don't know. It's breaking the trend of each Jurassic Park movie being slightly worse than the one beforehand. Okay, that's... That's better. That's more encouraging than I expected, honestly. Because the last one was not... It was not great. Nope. It's terrible. And, like, you know, part of... I, you know, maybe, maybe this movie's better than I'm giving credit for. I went into it with less than zero expectations. Like, in contrast, I went into Incredibles with, like, the highest expectation, and it met all of them. So I, you went into this movie like I went into Warcraft. Worse, maybe. Mm, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. Like I was, I was expecting nothing from this, and I was like, "Oh, it didn't let me down. It was just eh. nothing." You know, like sure. I was more, di- I, w- I wasn't disappointed by this movie because I had low expectations, and like you know, like when when I went to see Solo, for example, I had low expectations and I was still let down. But I'm not <laughs> saying like this is worse than Solo. It's like this is better than, or like th- or like Jurassic World is worse than Solo. Solo is a better movie, but I had a lot lower expectations for this one. And it, it just, it didn't, it wasn't any worse than I was expecting it to be, but that shouldn't be the bar for a good movie. <laughs> Should not be the selling point. Yeah. Jurassic, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. Meh. It didn't let me down. Exactly. You know, it's like when I take calculus. Like, I'm not expecting to do well, and then I don't do well, so I'm not disappointed. Sure. So, this is, this movie is calculus, is what I'm trying to say. That's... <laughs> No, 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 okay. Okay. Either way, that's all I have to say about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I will not buy it. I will not rent it. I probably won't see it again unless... Well, I can't think of a reason why. What if it's, if it's on TV? Um, if my remote's broken. Oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, there's, like, literally nothing else on. Sure. Um, so... Yeah. Cool. Yeah, any Sweet. any you said you had questions. Have I answered them all? You have. Like nice. it because like my main concern with it was that it would just be a rehash of from what I'd seen was that it was going to be a rehash of The Lost World where it was basically like oh, here's the um uh, here's the part where we're on the island and then here's the part where we're off the island but dinosaurs are with us. Mhm. I mean, and jamming those two types of those two movies together, and it doesn't quite seem it was that. Yeah, I mean, the the part where the dinosaurs are in like the quote unquote real world, like in society, like they're not really like they're in a on a big, you know, palatial estate in the middle of the forest. Sure. And so, like, yeah, they're not in the park anymore, but you don't see them like going down a city block or like interacting with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which might have been a better movie. But you do see them, like, walking around this person's house and, like, their backyard and on their roof and stuff like that. So, yeah. The one thing I will give the movie props for is, like, they are definitely forcing the franchise in a different direction because, like, they literally blow up the island. 
Right. So, like, they can't go back to Jurassic Park or Jurassic World or whatever that is now. Like, they have to do something different with it now. I'm not saying the difference is going to be good, but they have to do something new. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I have to say. I don't, I don't really care anymore. Like... <laughs> I really like the idea of, like, Dr. Wu coming back for more movies and, like, stuff like that. But, like, his character's, like, gone from, like, genius researcher and geneticist to mad scientist. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of shocking, like, what they did with his character in between the movies. So. Like, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I have shall nothing we, else to add. Shall we wrap it up, then? We shall, yes. Uh, it was going to be a shorter episode. We still got, you know, 45 minutes of content, so hopefully that... You know, satisfies your six rows back cravings for a while. Um, but either way, thanks as always for listening. Next week, we don't know what we're coming up with. Um, hopefully, something about Ant Man and the Wasp because that's what's Rock. coming out soon. Um, otherwise, we will see what happens. Um, but as always, thank you very much for listening. Go to SoundCloud. Um, six rows back podcast is where you can find us there. You can email us six rows back at gmail.com if you have any questions or things there. Otherwise, the best place to get in touch with us is Twitter. Uh, six rows back is our handle um, so just find us on there, tweet at us we like to tweet out you know, calls for questions before we start recording, stuff like that and frankly, you know, we just enjoy hearing from you so reach out, if you have questions let us know, either way, thank you very much for listening as always, I have been Oliver I've been Matt, thanks for listening <laughs>